Wandering Berry Center podcast. I'm Welcome. your host, Brian. Over there is Alex. Hello. Uh, what is today? February 13th. Yep, 2018. 2018. Olympics are in full swing, right? Yep, they sure are. Have you watched any of it? A little bit. Um, just mostly to see the North Korea stuff, really. <laughs> I think I've that's, yeah, I mean, I I've watched a little bit. That's what we're all um, interested in. Yeah, really not much, though, to be honest. <laughs> I guess that one, uh, that one U.S. guy. Sorry, I'm blanking on his name, but he's like 17 years old and just went out and crushed it and got gold medal right off the bat in snowboarding. Are you? Wasn't that a female? Who won? I think, but I think both. The, the, so oh. then there was a female who landed the first ever double 1080 back to back 1080. What? Yeah, I didn't dude. know she did that. Yeah. In the half pipe. In the half pipe. Damn. Yeah. So she 17. goes up on the one side. Does a 1080, and the very next, uh, you know, on the other side, the very next. Yeah, another 1080. Yeah, I don't know what you call it, but yeah, another 1080. And she The other half of the pipe. Yeah. (laughs) Or a quarter, rather. um, Even during the run, after she lands the second 1080, you can see her do like a mini, like, hell yeah celebration. Then she does a couple more. I hope so. Then she does a couple more tricks, but she's basically like, Doing those as a formality. Right. Yeah. It's like, I just did the craziest shit ever. Hold up those tens, bitches. (laughs) 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 They probably don't, they probably don't necessarily rate it that way in the snowboarding. I haven't seen. Do they hold up little 10 cards at the end? I don't know. I'm I'm a bad (laughs) Olympic watcher. I, well, one, I don't pay pay for cable for one, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's my problem. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if it's even as highly regarded as it used to be. Maybe it's just totally my own perception of it. And people still, yeah, you sort of get it's still like this prestigious thing. I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, I assume it is. It's also, it seems also so you, political this year. It does. Well, for obvious reasons. There's that. Maybe that's um, the problem. I think it's also really unique in the sporting world in the sense of like, it's a it's a singular moment in time, so the gold medal literally relies on the the perfect execution of like let's say that half pipe run, versus mm-hmm. the world championship of snowboarding, which uh, I'm guessing here, you know, goes from place to place. There's multiple rounds. There's a point system. You know, kind of like Formula E or uh, or any other racing series. You know, you you have a season's worth of of racing or competition. Yeah, right, right. To become world champion versus the Olympics where it's like if you screw up that one run, you know. You're not getting the gold medal for that run. That's it. Right, right. Not to mention what else brings countries together like this at all. That is one of the cooler parts of it all, right? At least in a friendly way, nothing. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I, I, I I feel like I have to say this total maybe a topic for another day but i really don't like and i think a lot of people are catching on to this i really don't like that they keep moving it around both olympics it seems quite inconvenient and unnecessary yeah like the the most recent and probably one of the best examples obviously the the rio you know the brazil summer olympics it Mm -hmm. just i mean those pool they're all decrepit now they're all falling apart right Right, they're but literally these the massive public works, not public, just 
these massive construction projects that just have a singular purpose. And that's it. Obviously, they're not going to get used after. If they didn't need them before, right? What makes you think they need them after, right? Um, dude, how about did you watch any of the open opening ceremony? Um, I uh, I hope you're going to talk about the drones. No, I was oh, going to okay. mention. There's just this one little detail that oh, no, <laughs> made me I laugh. Didn't, I probably didn't um, see it then. Well, when they were now having all the countries walk out and all the athletes, you know how they do that. They'll say, you know, Bob Smith from U.S. and, well, the U.S. team, and then 100 million people walk out for us specifically. But whatever. They announce all the countries. Everybody walks out. Yeah. Um, the whole time they were doing that, there were <laughs> people from, I'm assuming, South Korea just dancing in the background, in this circle, in the center of the area where they're walking out the center of the stadium. Just, I don't know how long this must have lasted, but those these people were just doing these really simple and kind of you know background dance moves, but for <laughs> a long time, and they looked miserable. <laughs> it was super like, cold too, right? I think so. Yeah. I know it's been super cold and windy for a lot of it. That's pretty funny. Yeah. They always, they always like the planning committee. Yeah, I always try to imagine, or not, I shouldn't say always, but it must be funny to imagine or be on those planning committees where they're like, yeah, this is a good idea. And <laughs> nobody, you know, it's only you a good idea if I'm not the one out there right. dancing for 35 minutes. <laughs> to the and same you only song. really know if it's a good idea or not until you put it into practice. And, you know, much like the one, you know, the gold medal, those people only get one go at the whole. Opening yeah. Ceremony I mean, bit. I guess we can confidently say that, South Korea hasn't hosted the Olympics before, let alone the people who planned it. Probably it's their first Olympics. Yeah. Is that true? Do you think? I or imagine for it... a decent number of people, yes. But I, yeah. there's definitely Olympic committees that are consistent. Veterans. From, right. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Veteran planners. Yeah, that would make sense. Otherwise, it would be a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So moving on to our normal uh, prepared topics, I think I, I thought I would uh, go with something slightly topical. So anybody who pays attention to the markets, just the other day, uh, we had quite a quite a drop. We've we've kind of bounced back, but um, yeah, we had uh, what is sometimes called a correction, where the Dow and, and other indices and, and the stock market in general fell. Um, That's such a nice way of putting it. What a correction! A correction. Yeah. Well, that that term it's... comes from. Uh, so in the in the current context, a lot of people felt like the the stock market was rising at an unsustainable rate. Right. Right. So the the downturn is a is a correction. Yeah. No, it makes sense. It just you know. It's a it's a let's say you had corporate way to yeah yeah it's a nice way of kind of sugarcoating the details of the situation for somebody who might not know them yep anyway so my topic isn't so much um, the stock market itself but one of the more recent and really impactful factors in the market although admittedly and we'll get there it is it is starting to wane already but uh, high frequency trading which is hmm. essentially um, 
computer algorithms trading against each other. But first, uh, I thought a quick history of the stock market. Um, if you had to guess, when would you think that the stock market as you know it today sort of came into uh, came into being? If you had to oh, throw oh a guess God. out there. Um, I mean, I guess I'm just going to have to go with like a certain amount of time after the Industrial Revolution because that's when bigger corporations really started to happen and something like that even makes sense at least as we know it today okay i'm gonna Um, tell you to i'm gonna tell you to roll back pretty hard really yeah like how hard are we talking here uh are you talking like the american stock uh, exchange yeah 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 ah jesus i don't know um 1750s i have no basis for that no no not not too far off okay so um but why the first, the first ever stock exchange, which is basically a place where people go to buy and sell shares, exchange, mm-hmm. exchange money for shares, uh, was the London Stock Exchange, 1773. Okay. Hmm. Um, it was originally a, a bunch of business owners. I'm obviously glossing over a bunch here in the interest of time. Uh, but it was basically a bunch of business owners that got together at a coffee house initially um, and to, to exchange and, and that eventually developed into the London, London stock exchange. And then that idea made it over to us in 1790 and wall street, as you know, it today was founded May 17th, 1792, really? 20, 24 supply brokers signed the Buttonwood agreement outside <laughs> Outside 68 Wall Street in New York, underneath a buttonwood tree. Really creative. What the fuck? <laughs> Wait, and this is how I know. The, the term how I know it today doesn't really seem to be. What, what is buttonwood for you? Like literally. Well, you, the, said, the you, of, you said how do, you know, how or when do I think the stock market as I know it today oh, was formed. Okay. And I'm just saying. When I think about the stock market today, I don't think about buttonwood trees, I guess. Okay. Is my yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was, so yeah, it was 24 guys. They were like, hey, we need a place to, to buy and sell stuff. So, but wait, when was the Industrial Revolution in the United States? I think that technically started in the late 1800s, right? No. After, wait, oh, wait, what? No, 1760. Uh, what? Apparently. I'm looking at it now. Okay, because... good. <laughs> Wait a second. Wait a second. Uh, well, let's see because we're, we're it exposing definitely... our ignorance here. <laughs> it's fine. That's what this is all about. That's is trying right. to Find do some some patchwork on it. Um, that could just be in general. That might not be U.S. Uh, you know. Okay. Yeah, that I think is the United Kingdom. I would have thought. <sighs> I guess to me, Industrial Revolution has to be, and obviously this is just to me, but after the Civil War, right? Maybe not. I guess that doesn't necessarily make sense. Because you have like the cotton gin and stuff like that, which would have Mm -hmm. been pre-all that, which is arguably, you know, machinery and industry style stuff. So maybe that's not really an accurate thought to have. Well, because, and the reason I thought that is because, you know, how many companies and to what scale 
do you need before something like the stock market even is a thought in somebody's mind, let alone makes sense? Excellent question. I didn't pull some, any of that info in preparation, um, but I did see some of that. But if you imagine like the Dutch East India Trading Company, you mm-hmm. know, they were a they were a worldwide trading organization. You know, fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred. Yeah. Um, well, so I think so. Yeah. Go, go, ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say you said it's the first one started in Britain, London. right? Yep. London. And their Seven. industrial uh, bleh, industrial revolution happened sooner, so you know it makes sense that we saw that happening and took inspiration. Stole it. Sto- yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, there you go. I did not. Yeah, I was totally thinking like eighteen eighty or eighteen nineties for yeah, the start I of mean, our industrial. that's when it I looks think like, of, like very early eighteen hundreds for us. Okay. It's what I'm gathering here. Our like War of eighteen twelve and you know That's that true. Type we of... were we were building ironclads and stuff in the Civil War and you do so. need industry for iron ships. So mm-hmm. okay, that makes sense. So do you know how many when this first stock exchange opened up under the tree, how many companies were involved? Twenty four. Twenty four, okay. Right on. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. So that was just a little, I, f- I thought a little history on, on when all that began would be yeah. fun. So let's fast forward all the way up now to like 2005. <laughs> 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 um, okay. Actually, another fun little fact, the S&P 500 was started mm-hmm. in 19, uh, I want to say like 1950 or something like that. And okay. so I was looking at some of the price history and it was just hilarious because like the S&P 500 was trading around like four points rather than, <laughs> you know, rather than the thousands it's at today. So it's, right. just, it's just funny to, to see where things began like that. Mm-hmm. So high frequency trading, yeah, HFT, um, is the automated buying and selling of stocks, bonds, whatever, using mm-hmm. uh, sophisticated computer algorithms so rather than a human you know mm-hmm. going out to e-trade and saying i would like to buy 10 shares of whatever mm-hmm. you've got these computers doing that uh except they do it as you might imagine ridiculously fast mm-hmm. um and they're gunning for very very small profits so they move in and out of these positions uh really, really fast and sometimes only make a 10,000th of a penny on any one transaction, but they're doing, you know, thousands of transactions a minute. Right. And so those pennies add up really fast. And it's a, uh, it's, it's quite a moneymaker if you can do it well. So if I am interested in this HFT, mm-hmm. am I buying into the computer system or am I, what am I... What's my entryway? He, well, you're going to have to be a broker-dealer. Your average person cannot just get into it. So you're going to sure. have to be like a Merrill Lynch or a hedge fund or... Gatekeepers. Uh, yep. Hide <laughs> 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 all that money. <laughs> um, yeah, you got you to gotta sort of have uh, a basis of operations. You got to be a, what's called a licensed broker-dealer. Um, so you got to get certified... 
you know, yeah. like the SEC, all that. The SEC is the Securities Exchange Commission. They're the the government uh, governing body over the stock, you know, the American right. stock markets. So do you think that's to protect their jobs because these computers could just make, you know, people whose profession is trading obsolete? Well, that's one of the things that's sort of up for debate is, is are these things pushing people, you know, humans out of the market mm-hmm. on some level? I think, yes, they're pushing cause your average you or me mm-hmm. can't compete. And no, I mean, it's just the speed of aspect alone, but yeah, yeah. you also can't just sit there all day and no. And so <laughs> make those, but then on the flip side, um, it seems like so you know like a lot of trends. It it started exploding. It got very mm-hmm. large, and it's now the market has decided that it's not as profitable profitable as it was. So they're mm-hmm. cutting. You know they're they're starting. It's starting to naturally reduce again. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so I mean, one of the a pretty well established philosophy with the stock market in general is making investments and you know being patient right right which these things are not doing so from right. that it's the opposite of that <laughs> from that perspective i think your average investor as long as they can identify a stock that they think is going to grow and they play the long game they're yeah. not in competition with the, with the right it's a different right yeah that makes sense so um how they work is is really fascinating um in general, most there are some really sophisticated algorithms, basically strategies, mm-hmm. that are closely guarded. So you can't really talk about those. But most of what these things are doing are really just the traditional trading practices, or I shouldn't say most of what they're doing, but in part what they're doing, these high-frequency algorithms, is they're taking normal trading strategies and just mm-hmm. performing them on an insane pace, you know, an insane level in terms of speed. So a human who reviews um, earnings reports, cash flow, uh, news on a particular company, you know, someone can spend a whole day researching a particular company uh, and then, you know, make a decision as to whether or not they think it's going to go up or down. Right. So a high frequency trading algorithm boils all of that down and looks for the what they're essentially trying to do is find and and take advantage of the minute, the very small uh, patterns or emerging trends is what they're really called. So basically, if you think a normal person would say, okay, I think this company is going to grow over the next 15 years, I'm going to mm-hmm. invest now and in 15 years make some money. Whereas a high-frequency trading algorithm is going to say, okay, this earnings report was literally just published. I've scanned all the keywords and phrases in this document. Oh, wow. Using predefined weighting, basically, I think that in the next 15 seconds, this is going to go up a little bit. And I'm going to take advantage of that tiny, tiny little uptick or downtick. So yeah, that hmm. um, that document scanning thing is one of the craziest things. Uh, the and is that of, where that's where its fundamental knowledge is coming from? In some respects, is the document, yes. yeah. 
some in some ways, yes, it's part of the. So does that mean? Does that mean? Um, you know, releases are being tailored to these. Nailed it. You know, like including certain keywords and yep. things to, to attract the attention of these uh, machines. Both that and uh, the opposite. So the the big example for the opposite uh, case is there's the federal uh, the federal bank and there's a there's a committee that put that meets uh, I forget how often they meet but they release it's I think it's the FOMC if I have that right anyway the funds. Uh, they they they're the ones who are deciding like to raise or lower interest rates if, if mm-hmm. people if people have you know that's been ongoing for a long time they, they're the ones responsible for quantitative easing uh, which is another day um, so they their statement that they release at you know the minutes from their meetings that they release mm-hmm. was like I mean people were people were setting up I'm sorry uh, you know the, they were scanning these documents looking for those keywords and phrases yeah, in order right. to write so they started trying to change up how they did those minutes for a while in an effort to not you know, feed the beast, but yeah. ultimately it's impossible to, they just adjust. Just adjust the, what they're looking for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's only so many words. Right. Um, so That's another, interesting. yeah. So another really fascinating, um, aspect of all this is the actual physical location of the servers that uh, are running the, somebody's got to own it. So, in terms of microseconds, which is one millionth of a second, that's the time. That's the level of time we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. They're all of a sudden once once HFTs became a thing. All of a sudden, all of the 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 closer you could get your computer to the computer, the server that was processing trades for the exchange, you had an inherent advantage. Same thing goes for the server. That the That's crazy. same thing goes for the server that was releasing the the minutes from that meeting. The closer yep. your server was to their server, the sooner your HFT algorithm could scan the document and make a decision. <laughs> so, so at one point, that's pretty absurd. It's oh, it's gonna get so much more absurd. Um, <laughs> so at one point, I don't know if they're still doing this, um, but the some exchanges were literally allowing the server space directly like one foot away from <laughs> from the exchange server. They were allowing HFT servers to be set up. So literally, if you just imagine two servers, two server stacks with a bunch of blinking lights in a room with nobody in it, and the one server is talking to the other server like a million times a second, just back and forth, back and forth. And and that was a competitive yeah. advantage. That's wild. That a really lot of is. the a lot of the apartments and like warehouse space around these HFTs was being bought up. I'm sorry, around these exchanges was being bought up so that people could put their servers into it. Oh, that's funky. Yeah. So literally, the physical location of your server is a factor. Yeah. Um, now, what's the what's the difference? Like, you know, it is a factor, but. Um, how much faster is it, you know, if it's 
10 miles closer or something like that, you know. You 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 read my mind. So one <laughs> foot of fiber optic cable is takes 1.5 nanoseconds, which is one level lower than microseconds. Uh, uh, so every foot of fiber optic cable adds 1.5 nanoseconds of delay. Each mile of, of fiber optic cable adds eight microseconds. So that's one mile of fiber optic cable takes eight one millionth of a second to uh, That's to actually like kind of significant. That's pretty, yep. So More if than you're, I expected. If you're five miles away and somebody mm-hmm. else is one mile away, in terms of computer processing time, they're scanning that document and, and, and making a decision a lot faster than you are. Yeah. Wow. And let, let alone just the raw com- computational abilities of your server. Mm-hmm. So what's the effect on the market of these things? Like, Yeah, exactly. How does that influence the whole process? Up for debate. There's a lot of debate. Um, so some of the more, uh, well, non-debatable um, impacts is... Um, so it, it's, it's created an, uh, something called a flash crash. There was one in the really famous one, May 6, 2010, known simply as the flash crash. Um, basically what happens. So uh, let me back up real fast. One of the strategies these things work, use is, if they want to try to influence an area of the market or mm-hmm. take advantage of one of those minute trends, they'll they'll put out onto the market thousands and thousands, sometimes millions of orders at very small differences in price that are designed to influence other computer algorithms to try and sometimes try and trick them. <laughs> so if you put out a bunch of sell <laughs> orders yeah. for NVIDIA, if you overload the system with sell orders, anybody who's watching the market that isn't otherwise aware of what's going on is going to think that the the general market trend thinks that Nvidia is going to start dropping. Yeah. Right. So you can you can somewhat influence the market on a very small level. Um, that's even debatable whether or not people are actually doing this, but I think they are. Um, yeah. So they're trying to influence the market in some way with with these. Uh, so it's called quote stuffing. Basically, you put out a ton of orders for and and that you never intend on on completing. Uh, you're just okay. using you're using the existence of the order to sort of minutely influence you know sure a couple, sure a couple it things. makes sense right. I mean that's just one of the things that they're reading to make their predictions and adjust or in their right. So buys. this this flash crash, technically speaking, uh, nobody really knows uh, what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, there's theories on it, but basically the, the general accepted theory is that it was pretty much caused by probably the catalyst of one algo, you know, one high frequency trading algorithm to the next quote stuffing, let's say with a bunch of sell orders, then the next mm-hmm. algorithm said, oh man, this stock is dropping. I better get out too. Then the next one says, oh man, I better get out too. And so literally in the blink of an eye, uh, the market just 
completely fell out from itself. And what ended up having to happen was they actually had to artificially stop trading. They had to throw a kill switch, basically. That's, dude, that's scary. It's really scary. We created programs that are literally playing games with each other. Exactly. And then can, you know, deceive each other. How, I mean, it's only a matter of time before they totally fuck with us. I mean, it could be so elaborate at one point, not just in the stock market, just in general. We don't know that it's artificial or that it, we need to pull the plug. All of a sudden, something's going on, and we just think that it's you know, we don't have the the knowledge anymore to say, oh, that's not supposed to be happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. With like AI and and stuff like that, just in in general, getting off topic, sort of. Yeah, sorry, no, no, no. <laughs> it's just a scary thought. It is. It's really scary. And and technically speaking, uh, I mean, this is. I think we could know, but whoever. Whoever was partially responsible for the flash crash is obviously not going to say that they are. Yeah. Um, so we won't ever truly know because they did they did start handing out fines for it. Um, whether or not they actually identified everybody who is who was involved uh, is is one thing. But yeah, they did they did start handing out fines for it. They have handed out fines for excessive quote stuffing. Um, so they're still relying on quotes as a means of, you know, the HFTs investing. or or us HFTs HFTs. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. It's a it's it's how part of how they work. Right. I'm just wondering if they've. I'm sure the algorithms have changed and you know become smarter over time. I was wondering if maybe that's one of the things they got rid of. But no, no. It's. Uh, I think it's. I mean, you kind of have to be more elegant about it. I would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they definitely still do it. That's wild. So some of the effects on the market. That, so um, so some of the non-debatable. So more kill switches. Every exchange now has a kill switch, um, where you can. This was never really a thing, but now the the need has arisen where you may need to stop all trading. You know, like they did in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's been a, a direct impact. Um, obviously, the flash crashes. Um, the quote stuffing is. There's some debate there, I suppose, but for me, that's it's definitely. That's it's part of I think what they're trying to do is just confuse stuff and 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 cloud and and clog up the market in a certain way because, mm-hmm. if you're the one doing the clogging of the market, you're theoretically in control of what's going on and you can take advantage of that situation. So some of the more debatable things we already touched on pushing out human investors. Um, I think that's partially or definitely, I think it's definitely true. Um, Mm -hmm. Day trading as it's known, which is sort of the human version of, of high frequency trading, you know, the Mm -hmm. buying and selling of stocks every day. Mm -hmm. Um, has definitely fallen out of favor. Uh, it was really popular for a while in the early 2000s and whatnot, and it's, it's steadily declined. Um, Just because it's not as effective or less people willing to do it? Both. It's very yeah. risky, and but once, you know, you're in, in that sense, you're in direct competition with the HFTs. So mm-hmm. earlier we, yeah, you know, we right. talked about sort of the long-term people, you know, the, the average investor is maybe not necessarily involved. Or in competition, but but day traders are for sure. 
Um, it adds a new variable to the market, in my opinion, that has never really been there before. So when people are, are evaluating earnings reports and other things, now all of a sudden you might have to say, well, what do we think the HFT algorithms are going to do? And how can we either avoid it or take advantage of it? So it's a right. new, it's a new and very large variable um, hmm. that's sort of been thrown into the mix. Um, there's a lot of debate over the volume that these things are are participating in, but a general number that I was finding was for a while there at its height, HFT algorithms were accounting for roughly fifty percent of all transactions. Whoa. Really? That number was at the peak and I think is probably a little high, but you could definitely say 30, 30%, I think would probably be a safe number, which is huge. That is huge. It's huge. That's really surprising. Yeah. Wasn't it? Was not expecting that. The lower end estimates are, are around the 10, 15%. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely at its peak, it was, uh, which was right around 2012, 2013, um, you know, I, th- I think fifty percent. You could you could have found a day where fifty percent was happening. Right. Sure. They were all the rage. Right. <laughs> um. So another thing, in my opinion, that's this is a debatable topic. Um, something called liquidity, which is the when a market is very liquid, uh, it's easy to get in and out. So if you have shares in a liquid market. You can be confident that there's always going to be someone looking to buy those shares from you. So if you ever want to get out, you know, you can. It's easy, yeah. These algorithms, if you're in a space that they're in, they're just so fast. And they, they in my opinion, they make it difficult sometimes to get into or out of a position because they, they do that quote stuffing thing where they're putting a ton of orders out there that they never plan to execute. So what can happen is a human can put a sell order out and say, I'd like to sell my Ford for $15 a share. Mm-hmm. And an algorithm can put out a buy order that matches your sell order. But the problem is, is that it's never intending to complete the order, the buy order. So as a human, you're like, great, we've got a match like, you know, let's, let's see this transaction. Let's do it. it. And the computer algorithm in in a little while is going to say, nah, uh, I I, I don't intend to, to complete this transaction. So you've basically wasted time. Yikes. So in my opinion, they, they reduce liquidity. There is an argument to be made that they increase liquidity. Uh, but that hinges on them, in my opinion, completing the transactions, which they do have to do sometimes. Because um, it seems do, like something that should be. I'm surprised it's not more regulated. Like if you start a transaction that you, dude, that seems a little sketchy. <laughs> there's a reason we're brothers, uh, or I should say, not that there's a reason we're brothers. <laughs> yeah, we but, can explain that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what should I say? There, uh, it's clear that we are brothers because you you have followed my points of logic and, and order in this pretty closely. <laughs> So regulation was the last topic I was going to touch on um, for this. Uh, There isn't any significant regulation, and a lot Mm -hmm. of that has to do with the fact that the market, um, and I can speak to this directly, the the industry, the financial industry, 
is still working on and implementing rules and regulations around preventing 2008 again. Uh, so they're, interesting. And that was so wide and so impactful, all those regulations, and took so much, you know, people had to change their software. I mean, I'm still working on changing our software to this day to, uh, to, to meet the need, to meet the new regulations. So okay. people were, the humans were still occupied, are still occupied with preventing 2008 that basically nobody has the bandwidth to really do anything about the HFTs. Hmm. But they came out, when did you say they came onto the scene? Uh, 2005 or so. Okay, so they weren't around much before. Maybe two thousand eight happened. Maybe two thousand two. Yeah, but mm-hmm. and they weren't. They weren't. Uh, so the peak was two thousand. You know, twenty twelve. Yeah. So they were not really a problem until the flash crash, really, of twenty ten. And people were already occupied with right two thousand eight by that point. Well <laughs> into the, well into the throes of oh my god. Yeah. Well, damn. Yeah. So you think that's kind of like the next thing that'll get tackled if you can look at it that way, or? Maybe. Or are they um, kind of just working themselves out? So it seems like uh, it seems like they're starting to wane. Um, like I start, said at the beginning, yeah. Like like a lot Naturally. of trends, you know, like a lot mm-hmm. of trends, they they go up, up, up. They find a ceiling and then they sort of level off. So we appear to be in the process of leveling off in terms of how much HFT the market can can stomach. Mm-hmm. Um. So it remains to be seen. Um, they have, like I said earlier, the SEC has handed out some fines. Um, they, let's see, I got one specific example here. 2015, nearly five years after the incident, the Department of Justice, so not even the SEC, the Department of Justice laid 22 criminal counts, including fraud and market manipulation against Navinder Singh Saro, a traitor, and among his charges was including the spoofing, uh, the spoofing algorithms. So uh, just prior to the flash crash, he placed thousands of stock future contracts out on the market, which he never planned on, uh, you know, fulfilling. So he was trying to manipulate the market into a downward direction mm-hmm. so that he could then wow. buy, you know, buy stuff at the floor so that when the market bounced back, he could make money. So they have, so yeah, they have handed out some fines, um, but mm-hmm. one of the, as is so often the case in definitely the financial world and like 2008, the amount of that they're, they're you know, the, the, the price of these fines, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's not doing anything. It's like laughable. It's, it's the cost of doing business. If, <laughs> if the numbers that these high-frequency trading algorithms are, are generating is to mm-hmm. be believed, uh, one guy – okay, let me back up. So one of the – there's a really big fiber optic cable line that mm-hmm. is, has been set up for – specifically for high-frequency trading algorithms, and apparently it costs like 300 grand, uh, I think a year, maybe a month, to get onto this to use it. So if you're spending 300 grand, let's say a year, let's be conservative. If you're spending mm-hmm. 300 grand a year just to use a uh, fiber optic cable, the $800,000 fine the SEC gave you uh, 
it, it didn't do anything. It's nothing. Yeah. It's nothing. Got to get in the business of laying cable. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Start charging. So, yeah, that's, um, that's, that's pretty, point. yeah, that's, uh, fascinating it's and sketchy. Yeah. It's kind of sketchy. It's kind of scary. Yeah. That they're able to just have so much influence, whether it's on the market price or just the fact that they can seemingly take over like that. Yeah. It's, yeah. All right. So I'm going to stretch real hard here. Okay. Searching for that Barry Center. Okay. So let's say that you are a financial analyst or you spend your day, you know, investing, managing portfolios, whatever it is. You're stressed Compe- out, competing, right? Competing against the high frequency trading algorithms. Yeah. I mean, that sounds are, stressful, right? Who are beating the shit out of you. Yeah. I mean, somebody's got to do it. But I'd imagine when you come home, after a long day of uh, uh, battling on the front lines of the HFTs, <laughs> <laughs> you're looking to relax, right? Absolutely. You probably have some vices. Yeah, I'm reaching for that beer. All right. So one of them could be <laughs> <laughs> uh, binaural beats. Oh, I think shit. I talked about this. Um, I think just the last to me. time. Yeah, maybe just to you off off uh, offline record. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to dig into these a little bit um, because it's something that I've explored in the past and you know kind of forgot about for a while and then recently came back to. So that's kind of why I brought it up to you. Um, okay, so they kind of fall under this uh, this broader category of auditory illusion. Okay. So before I go any further, I'm wondering if what you think auditory illusion is and if you think you've ever like experienced an auditory illusion. It sounds like, um, and I'm I'm taking the word apart. Uh, either I'm experiencing something because of a sound or Mm -hmm. I think I'm hearing something when I'm not actually hearing something. Yeah. I mean, I would say both of those. Okay. Are correct. It's basically the you could think of it as like the oral version or aural, however you would pronounce that, um, oral equivalent of an optical illusion, right? So an optical illusion is the way some sort of information is presented to you, the way your brain and eyes interpret it. it you know, it ends up being processed differently than it actually is. So more like, okay, so maybe it's more like my brain is, is somewhat being confused by what it's hearing. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Either confused or it's interpreting it in a way that isn't reality. Isn't reality necessarily. Yes. I'm thinking of the, the optical illusions, Mm -hmm. that, that classic one where you look at the, the grid of black squares and white lines and the gray dots. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Those gray dots aren't actually there. Yeah, your brain's kind of like interpreting, interpreting, interpreting um, in- what it thinks should be there. Yeah, pretty much. Interpolating is the word I was searching for. Um, yeah, so it's kind of like the auditory um, equivalent of that. Um, okay, so what the hell is this? Um, Basically, it falls, again, under a category of brainwave entrainment. 
So basically what that means is just a fancy way of saying like you're um, altering your brain waves, right? So your brain's operating at, well, you can't just say your brain is operating at one frequency. Your brain's super complicated. So I believe, and I'm no neurologist here, but if that's even the right word, but your brain is many different compartments and sections and you know areas that are all probably operating at different frequencies but um yeah so brainwave entrainment is the goal of altering um your brainwave frequencies and generally what you're after here is some sort of you know psychological feeling or effect or you know whatever so you're changing your brainwaves and hope to have some sort of um psychological effect um, so basically in theory, let's say I'm able to change my brainwave, um, you know, what it's currently operating at. Let's say that, uh, happiness is one frequency, right? Mm-hmm. In some part of my brain, just being simple here, let's say happiness is 400 megahertz and sadness is 200 megahertz. You come home after battling HFTs and you're operating somewhere around that 200, uh, you know, frequency range. Let's say you can pop on a pair of headphones and get your brain to start functioning at the 400 megahertz frequency, and all of a sudden you're happy. Sounds pretty nice, right? Yeah. If I yeah yeah, I mean that that kind of happens already. Like if I throw on a favorite song, right. One of that's actually. I actually use that if I've had a shitty day mm-hmm. while I'm cooking, I bump some good music and it instantly takes you to into out of or takes you out of your shitty. Oh days. yeah, man, music yeah. is therapy. I'm 100 percent there yeah. with you on I that. Can't can't do it without it. Yeah, it can uh, it can very easily put you in whatever corresponding mood I would say the music is. You know, if it's something that gets you pumped up or happy, then you're going to feel that way, but it's, you could also go the other way and listen to sad music or yep. emotional music and start feeling that way too. There's a particular song I'm thinking of right now that if I let it would make me cry every time. <laughs> you probably um, don't want to disclose what that is. Cause then no. people are going to just start playing and make you cry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I, <laughs> if I let it, I'm stronger than that. <laughs> um, yeah. So binaural beats, um, the goal really is for relaxation and, you know, some sort of therapeutic benefit, right? Yeah. Is what people are after. So basically um, how this is going to work is you're going to put, I guess I could maybe explain what binaural beats are first. Um, Basically, you're playing uh, different frequencies on you. You put headphones on, and you've got um, one frequency playing in one ear, and then you have a slightly offset frequency playing in the other ear. So, if we're shooting for our 400 megahertz happiness level here, let's say I play 380 in my left ear, and I play 420 in my right ear. So that you have a difference of 40 megahertz going on right there, okay? Mm-hmm. 
So in the way your ears work and your brain is connected to your ears, um, basically the reason you're able to hear a sound and say it's to my left front as opposed to my right rear or something like that, you're able to directionally identify a sound Right, is because of the way your ears are connected basically for simple terms to the left and right side of your brain and able to detect the phase difference of when your left ear hears that sound versus the sound waves hitting your right ear or vice so versa. The, the tiny the tiny differences in the amount of time it takes the information to get to the left ear versus the right ear. Exactly. Your, your brain is able to say, okay, that's behind me, that's in front right. of me. I mean, just like how having your servers, you know, 10 miles versus one mile from the location has an effect on the timing. Right. Same thing. Um, so it's that um, ability to detect phase differences that allows this binaural beat thing to have an effect. So you put the headphones on, you got your, you know, different frequencies playing and those are entering the brain and basically um, your brain interp- or interpolates a third signal, a third frequency, which ends up being whatever the difference is. So in our example, it's the 40 megahertz. That the, middle, 40, the middle is 400. Um, yeah, but so if we're playing 380 in the left, 420 in the right, my your brain, our investor's brain is creating this 40 megahertz third beat in the brain. That's the binaural beat, is Uh, that interpolation between the two frequencies. Which is, I mean, it makes sense, but it's also super interesting that it just kind of like... Well, what I'm I'm thinking of is why can't, and we probably, maybe we know, uh, but we know very little about the brain in general. Uh, Why can't I just play 400? And, and um, like, why do I have to? Yeah, yeah. I guess so that's a big that's a big question. No, I mean there is there's a lot more uh, research into this than I expected when I started doing my research. Like, you know, actual studies and stuff going on here, right? Um, into the effectiveness of this, and you can also play. Um, monural beats. So there's the binaural, which, right, we're having two frequencies. Yep. And a monaural beat, I believe, is exactly what you're saying. Um, Just targeting straight 400. Targeting straight what you're after, but I don't think the effect on the brain is the same. So Interesting. Yeah. So when you're playing, or in, this, in a lot of these studies, well, this part is actually, from what I understand, is confirmed. With these binaural beats played through these headphones, there is what's called a frequency following response in the brain that can be measured on an EEG, which is what they use to measure brain waves. Okay. So, so we can see the effect essentially of these two different exactly. frequencies. We can so see that part, we can see the third we can yeah. see the binaural beat. Right. And there's That's even crazy. information out there on where which parts of the brain are responding. Yep. Um so it's super interesting. So that's that's what's crazy is that there is definitely a, you know, brain response to this being played in your head. So, 
So, like, what, what I imagine they were doing was somebody sitting in an MRI machine or, or an EE. I think they can use MRI. Maybe the not EEG exactly. is almost like a, it's like a helmet you put on your head and it measures. Is that the, the one? You know, it's got the little. Does that the one you know, that produces a, an image, too, of the brain? Um, I don't know much about them. I didn't go. Okay, I didn't okay. look too much into what the EEG is. I just know they're able to it's just, measure. I know they've used this type of what I'm the te- technology I'm thinking of. It's probably similar, but it's just crazy that they can be like, okay, we're watching your brain in real time. Here's two frequencies. I know. Boom. There's that part of the brain reacting right, <laughs> right there. That's yeah. It's it is really wild. Um, so, and what's pretty interesting is that these beats have to be less than a thousand Hertz. Otherwise they're not, whatever the frequent, the wavelength is too, um, short at higher frequencies for this to be effective. They found. So it's got to be less than a thousand Hertz. Um, can you even hear a thousand hertz? Can the human ear even like when you put on? Are you actually hearing anything when you play this stuff? Yeah, so we can. Okay, okay. So if you go and try this out, and there's no, <laughs> I've can vouch for this. I've done it a hundred times at this point. There's no seemingly negative effect to trying this out. You're literally just listening to sounds. Um, yeah, you can hear. Okay. Okay. The beats, and so the way it works is you don't. There's a couple kind of caveats here, which. And this is kind of where things start to get a little mushy. Um, first of all, you can't really just passively listen to this. Like, I'm not going to go put on some sick binaural beats and go mow the lawn or something like that. Like, it's just, <laughs> you could do it. I'm mowing, sure. I'm mowing the lawn, which puts, which puts me at a 200, which is pissed. So right. I'm going to put on these binaural beats. <laughs> you can't just, I don't think you can just magically alter any state. Yeah, like, I feel like it would be a crazy. I'm super pissed off. I'm at work right now, so I'm just going to passively listen to this tone, this frequency, and all of a sudden, I like everybody around me. It's not that you know. <laughs> all of a sudden, I'm no longer an insufferable person. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that guy is an asshole, except when he has his headphones on. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you got it's a focused activity. Yes. So you can't you. And typically it's played with like some pink or white noise over it or even some traditional music. You know, there's like, it's called a masking sound put over it. So they could be nature sounds, just a white noise. You can just listen to the beat, but I guess they found just through people's subjective experiences and response that it's not as effective as having some sort of masking sound over it. And then on top of that, yet you want to you don't have to but you know people add like breathing exercises to it so really what you're ending up doing after you create all that you're you're meditating really because you're or it could be seen as a form you're focusing intently on the beat or at least the sounds which is super important that part i can vouch for um you have, you know, this masking sound going on, and then you're potentially doing some breathing exercises. You could definitely make the argument for this being a form of meditation, which, great. I don't it see why that's... It certainly sounds like it is, yeah, from my, and from my I would, perspective. Yeah, and I can definitely attest to that. Um, now, 
does it actually change a state of consciousness? I don't. So if you're looking to like, you know, replace pot with this, I think you're a little misguided in what it can do. Mm, but okay, good, good, good. Not analogy, but yeah, good example. Yeah, but I definitely think, and I've experienced it myself. If you're able to sit down and focus on this, just like as if you were able to do it without the binaural beats, if you're able to sit down, focus and meditate, you're going to probably be in a calmer state. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely think there is some truth to that. Could it be placebo? Sure. But you know the what? way I think about placebo is if you're still feeling the effect, then even if it is technically not real and it is a placebo effect, but you're still, you believing the in the benefits of it, then what's wrong with the placebo effect? You took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say <laughs> the same exact thing. The placebo effect is underrated because yeah. it, uh, this actually, this would probably be a good topic for a future show, but um, the placebo effect is a real measurable thing. It has its own pathways in the spinal cord. It's a real thing. Yeah. I think it gets, it gets a bad rap for it. It's easy to write things off to it, but why not consider it as a legitimate thing you can tap into? Right. And and, um, and I wonder I wonder if it's even mislabeled, really. Yeah, it I mean you Yeah, I agree. It yeah. it could be. Yeah, so basically I you know, I was digging into all these studies and uh as much as I could manage um and yeah, so there's definitely some some pretty nice science behind the frequency following response of the brain. So there is a response to these beats, but whether there's actually a consciousness change happening, you know, that hopefully, you know, there'll be some more research there. There's definitely people who can vouch for it, and I would like to say I'm one of them. I'm not going to say it's some cure-all thing, but it definitely, if you sit down and actually are able to focus on it, it can have some pretty nice effect. Um, so, but are we talking about here, like, uh, so you use, you know, you use the, the term happiness is, is, mm-hmm. is at 400. Well, can you, yeah, well, so, so can you, can you make yourself angry with these? Can you make yourself? I've only kind of, ever felt relaxation. Okay. Okay. Re, so the way, the way these are presented, if you go and search for some and try to, you know, not try, but if you just go look for some, download them or whatever, they typically tend to be labeled as such, like in the moods. So label as a happiness, you know, track or a creativity, for instance, or relaxation or whatever it is. Um, that seems to be how they're presented, but I don't know. And there could be some truth to that because there is, I was reading one study um, where Basically, different frequencies, different bands, like the alpha frequency band or beta frequency, whatever, whatever they played them at, activated different regions of the brain. So kind of going back to before where it's not like your brain is functioning on one frequency. It's not that simple of a thing, of an organ, right? Right. There's a lot of different uh, brainwave frequencies going on. So different binaural beats do have an effect on different regions of the brain can you chalk those up to creativity specifically and relaxation specifically 
that's probably more of a uh, you know interpretation. Right, much I more would fluid. Say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, but it, but it, it, it's plausible that. Um, I would say it's plausible based that, on you know, if if you could identify the area of the brain generally associated with being pissed, mm-hmm. and then you could develop a, a binaural beat that activates that area of the brain, it seems plausible that you could. <laughs> I'm just imagining yeah. our investor getting home and putting on the wrong binaural beat. <laughs> <laughs> and just getting fucking pissed off. <laughs> he, ac- <laughs> he accidentally picks the angry, the sad Like it's face. the difference between he chose 350 instead of 400 and all of a sudden <laughs> he's just in a rage. His wife walks in and is like, oh shit. <laughs> he calls work, he quits. <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay, Sorry, uh, but yeah, the, uh, yeah, the beats got a little out of hand last night. Yeah, yeah, I, I went too deep. Now, if you listen to these on a pair of Beats headphones, I'm pretty sure your head explodes. <laughs> That's what I heard. So I was going to ask what I don't know if I'm derailing yet, but I was going to ask nope. what do they what do they actually sound like? Like what is if I were to go find an app and and uh... yeah, so it's weird actually. Um, it's hard to, ex- I mean, it's not hard to explain. It just is sounds it like, a, like, is that a constant tone? Is it an actual, no, you, you can beat? hear the, you can hear the frequency. So if you just listen to a, you know, binaural beat on its own without any of these masking sounds, it's going to sound like a, a whirring sound at this frequency. So just like a wom, 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 okay. you know, that type okay. of thing, but at, you know, faster than what I'm doing there. But, yeah. um, yeah. And, it starts playing, and if you're able to focus on it, you can almost start to hear that third beat happening in your brain, I guess. is, And it's not super apparent. Like, you're not like, oh, there it is. I can hear the binaural beat. Um, but it's more of like if you're able to sit there and kind of focus on it. I've experienced one of two things. Either you can kind of start to hear that beat come along, almost like a, a resonance happening between the two frequencies you know how like if if you're listening to two beats and they kind of like synchronize a little bit and you start hearing that one um, yeah yeah i'm trying to think of a good so example you, you can almost so what you're saying is you can start to hear the third the actual binaural beat i i feel as though i've heard that yes that's crazy so the you're other thing, hearing the auditory illusion yeah it oh, absolutely the other thing I've had happen, and this happens more with the masking sounds, I guess, is that it almost blurs into the background and becomes more of a constant tone. Um, and maybe that's just because you're focusing more on the other sounds. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, I think the the important thing is going into it with the mindset of letting it work, <laughs> I guess, which is... You know, well, that's different from something. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was just different from something like drinking alcohol where you're going to get fucked up whether you want to or not if you drink enough, <laughs> right? You don't have the choice. Right. You do, but you don't. Um, it's a chemical. So this, if you're sitting there and you're listening to it but you're ignoring it or being passive about it, then, yeah, it's probably not going to have any mood-altering effects. So you gotta you got to be a little open-minded here. Um. Yeah, so it's super interesting. I was really 
impressed by the amount of research that has gone into it. This dates back to like 1839, where some guy actually proposed the name of what this is. And what? Yeah, not that they were able to produce the beats themselves then, but I think the idea came from like, and I don't know which tribes specifically here, but like very rhythmic tribal music played it for a long time at very rhythmic beats, just drumming at the same, you know. People had a lot of time back in those days. Let's just play this drum for six hours. (laughs) I'm going to get really good at hitting this at the same time all the time. Yeah, so... That makes a lot of sense, though. I yeah, totally what, you're, what you're going to hear now that is actually going to be labeled as one of these things is more of a calculated and fine-tuned right. frequency wave if you actually look at it. Um, so it's not quite the same as somebody just hitting a drum. But that's kind of where it started coming from. But yeah, there's, I mean, one of the most recent studies I was looking at was just two years old or something, so it's even still an active thing. Um, that yeah. tells me that, like, they didn't, I imagine they didn't really know what exactly what they were, were doing, but I, it sounds like, like, ancient tribes and whatnot would have stumbled onto this sort of thing. Definitely. I yeah. mean, think about it. You yeah. How many less distractions there are. You get a lot of people sitting there listening to this, focusing on this music. Yeah, and and they start feeling some kind of way, <laughs> and then they're like, "Let's keep, let's keep let's, exploring that." Yeah, yeah, sure, why not? Um, yeah, so it's kind of interesting uh, if we can figure out whether there is actually something that you can tap into strictly using sound. That would be pretty fascinating, in my opinion. What? Um, not that we're sponsored, but should they want to? What? Um, are you using an app for this? I assume on your phone. Um, yeah, you can go and get. Um, you know, you can probably go find individual tracks that are all over the place. There's this app that I have, and I don't even know if it's officially supported anymore. I've just had it on my phone since I discovered these things years ago. At this point, um, and it's called Ambisci 100P. A M B I. SCI100P. And Jeez. the, yeah, it's a really weird really name. Cram- yeah, really crammed it <laughs> we, in there, using we, all our characters. We struggled to find the name for this podcast, and they were just like, <laughs> <laughs> fucking <laughs> alphabet soup, bitch. And even weirder is the icon is a cartoon version of um, Tesla with headphones on, and it's a purple background. So. Take that for whatever it is. But it's kind of cool because the way it works is you get to select your masking sound, which could be, there's a list here of like 20 things, including, you know, pink noise, white noise, but then also just some interesting, cool music. And then you can put your own music on it if you want. And then the binaural beats are uh, separate. So you pick, you know, one of each. And let me just tell you how these are these are labeled here. Um, Meditate, so that makes sense. Relax, sleep. This one's supposedly supposed to help Alzheimer's and dyslexia. Um, This one's good for blood flow. What? Chronic fatigue, chronic pain, decision making. 
This one's good for your ears. Uh, fear reduction. So the list goes on. But they get a little silly. So, um, and they're all different. They don't, this one doesn't tell you what the frequencies are. I mean, my gut um, reaction to that was, you know, what the silly. heck. But yeah. then again, no, the, totally. brain, the brain is so, I mean, it <sighs> controls you. It is you. So when I go through this and I use this, I don't, the names to me are entertainment and it's silly. Yeah. I don't think they really have anything. So you to listen them. to the, the fear reducing one and you're just as yeah. scared of spiders. as <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I think, I think if you want to reduce the fear of spiders, it's got to come from a from little within. deeper, deeper yeah. within. <laughs> um, yeah. So like I said, I'm not really counting on the names meaning anything. But this is an example of how it's labeled. And I think that's somewhat common. It's not just something of this app. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I recommend exploring it. And I w- my next, or not next endeavor, something I would like to try is listening to these in the float tank. Yeah. Because I, I think that. that could get a little nutty. Waterproof headphones somehow? Um, yeah, they're out there, I'm sure. Actually, I know they are. But also, uh, the place I went to has oh, an right. aux card. Yeah. Right. Um, how long do you spend listening to this? Um, whatever you want, really. I mean, um, five like minutes, ten dark. minutes. Okay, okay. I mean, you can do it much longer if you want. But I think, you know, over five minutes is enough time to... Kind of so just on it. anecdotally, I mean, I, I, I guess I know the answer already, but anecdotally, you have been on one side of a particular mood, done this experiment or, or exercise, and mm-hmm. felt happier or at least calmer or some yeah, definitely some calmer and more state. relaxed. Yep. Okay, I can right. definitely say yes to that. Okay. That's so, crazy. and in closing, um, I recommend you and our listeners to go look up more examples of auditory illusions because there's some super cool shit. There's this one. um, It's this, it actually sounds really creepy, this tone that it sounds like it's increasing in pitch and decreasing in pitch at the same exact time. Oh, weird. It's weird and it's creepy. Um, There's also one example of a beat that sounds like it's just infinitely getting faster, but it's not getting faster at all. It's just the way it's, you know, overlaid over different beats and stuff. It sounds like it's getting faster if you listen to it. Just go type in auditory illusion and go to the Wikipedia page and spend five <laughs> minutes at least. Humor yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's it. Okay. Binaural Beats. Check it out. Binaural Beats. Our investor is feeling zen. I'll be a test subject. He's actually he actually didn't drink that beer. No, he didn't. He he decided he, he was gonna get a good night's sleep because even one beer, if you're susceptible to it, will fuck up your. Basically, you'll have to absorb the sugars, and anyway, it, it can fuck up your sleep. Well, plus he only had six, and he'd rather drink all six <laughs> on Friday night rather than one now. And right, right. Five Friday. That's right. not enough. Right, right. So he uh, <laughs> he picked up the Ambisai 100 or whatever it was. P. Yep. P. P. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's that's crazy. Actually, I'm gonna have to give these a shot. Yeah, man. Um, Let me know. Report back sometime. I will. Yeah, know. I will. Okay. Well, I think uh, what do we have here? Yeah, 
little over an hour. So thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, thanks. Um, Appreciate your support. Definitely. Um, and we've been saying this for a little while now, but uh, all the official stuff, well, the Twitter and the Instagram and all that stuff is out there, the Wandering Berry Center, or just Wandering Berry Center podcast. Um, but the website is very quickly about to go live, very, very shortly. Yep, we're here, almost there. So, so yeah, focus we'll, on quality. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we are professionals here at yeah. the Wandering Berry Center podcast. Somebody's got to be. We are not just haphazardly doing this. Okay, until next time. Thanks All for right. listening. Good night, y'all.